the United States of America, home of the brave. A place that is filled with different cultures, diversity, beautiful scenery, a place I call home. But one thing many people may not know about the USA is that artisans, craftsmen, and women, photographers, musicians, creatives, makers of all sorts that come with this beautiful country. Many people tend to buy products from major online retailers that they forget about the make that is happening right here in America. From the Industrial Revolution and even prior to that time period, America has continued to build its economy through makers and there are thousands of them. America has makers that forge steel to make knives and axes, sew skirts, hats, and handbags with materials of all sorts, paint and capture visuals that are forever in your home and carried in your heart, share stories through music and writings, make special treats and refreshing beverages, and much more. Join me through the journey through the lives of makers across our country to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Kristen Vermeule, and this is Makers of the USA. On the next episode of the Lady Maker on the Fly series, I got a chat with Lauren LaChapelle, a fly fishing angler who works full time for Microsoft, and her side hustles are candle making and crafting CBD oils. What I find interesting about Lauren is that during the beginning of the pandemic, she wanted to craft something with her hands. She would get tired of looking at a computer screen and just needed to find a place to, you know, focus on her mental health and just take a break. And the outdoors allows her to do that, as well as these two side hustles that she's created. She does everything from sourcing of materials to learning how to craft these products with the candles and the CBD oils, which is quite the process I've heard. And then she also goes through the testing process, particularly with the CBD oils as well. So she knows everything. And the reason why I brought her into this series is because I find that a lot of folks are still focusing in on their corporate careers. And that's something that they'll probably do for the rest of their lives. But I find that it's so amazing to hear and see that these individuals can have a hobby of crafting and getting something done with their hands and doing something that's way different from what they're doing in their corporate jobs. And I, Lauren really fits the bill with that. And I'm so honored to have her on this podcast. Now, before we get into the episode, I wanted to give a special shout out to Tarot Health, our co-sponsor of the Lady Makers on the Fly series. So how many of you have health insurance? I know many listeners are makers, small business owners, or just folks who enjoy listening to these fabulous stories. But y'all are busy. Are you taking care of yourself, your family, and getting the you need. Tarot Health is a new fully licensed health insurance company in Maine that provides free and unlimited visits with a direct primary care doctor who has the time to form a personal relationship with you. Getting an unrushed 45-minute appointment all for a $0 copay and access to a doctor through texting and phone calls between visits is the best care, I think. Growing up, I remember my primary care physician was practically family. They knew my name. They didn't treat me as a regular patient of theirs. They knew me and treated me with the best care. And that's what I want for my family and for myself. Tara Health can provide that. Individuals, families, and small businesses all qualify to sign up for Tara Health plans. You can find and choose Tarot Health's health plans directly at tarohealth.com. That's T-A-R-O health.com or Maine's ACA health insurance marketplace and coverme.gov. Now let's get to it. Let's talk craft with Lauren LaChapelle. 
candle maker and creator of CBD oils. Hey guys, welcome to the Makers of the USA podcast. I am here with Lauren, who is a part of the Makers of Maine series. It's the Ladies on the Fly series that I am doing with four other makers. So Lauren, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Kristen. So the first question I typically start off with is, what is your craft and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, so I... um. I make CBD oils and I also make beeswax candles. Quite a, uh, you know, two different ends of the spectrum there, but both have some meaning in my life. That's great. And what really inspired you to get into it? Did you sort of have a passion for, you know, beeswax candles, like the material? It sounds like it's very like all natural ingredients, which is nice, right? Yeah. So that was um, the fact that, you know, I love burning candles. Um, I've always got one going. And then I kind of, you know, started doing some research into like how to live like a healthier lifestyle and how to kind of clean up your life. And one of the uh, articles that I read was like, oh, you know, candles that have paraffin in them are bad for you. So I never realized that. And um, then I got kind of got down a whole rabbit hole. And this was, mind you, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, you know, locked in the house and I needed something to do other than work and really you know, sit by the TV or something. I needed that other creative outlet. So I was like, oh, why not start making beeswax candles? Like I burn enough candles as it is. And yeah, I guess that's how that started. Um, I was just really trying to, you know, clean up my life uh, in these little ways. Um, And I started making those beeswax candles and just found that it was so relaxing. Um, Gave me a point of creativity and I said, well, why not start a little business out of it and see how it goes? Nice. And what was the business name? So the business name is Coastal Pine Candles. You can find me on Instagram and and that's, you know, mainly where I am. So nice. Check me out on Instagram. Cool. (laughs) So did you have you been to like markets with it or anything like that? I haven't. No, not yet. Um, So I've been having kind of an issue with... um, the supplier, you know, finding finding good uh, filtered beeswax is actually really hard to do in Maine, especially um, in these colder months. Um, so no, I haven't been to markets, but I would love to at yeah. some point. Wow, that's so interesting how you said filtered beeswax. What is that? Yeah. So I mean, the raw beeswax, from what I understand it, it and this is in my, you know, early Googling phases, uh, from what I understand, it it comes from the bees and and it's pretty dirty. It's got like residue in it. Um, so I try to buy my wax from a local supplier, um, but I like it filtered just so that I don't have to then go and filter it a bunch of times. Um, I really when it when the wax comes to me and in these little bricks, um, I will filter through it maybe one or two two more times to get it. Um, to get it clean because when it's burning, um, you really want pure, clean wax um, so that it doesn't clog the wick or anything. Well, that's good to know. I never really mm. thought of it that way, yeah. but it totally makes sense now. And then, so <clears throat> candles and then CBD oils. So when yeah. did that start? Did that start during the pandemic Yes. As well? So that also started during the pandemic. I was like, oh, this, this seems, you know, like it's going to be pretty lucrative. Um, I had some contacts in the cannabis industry. And, you know, to be completely honest, it 
I was dabbling at first with the idea before I did CBD of doing full on uh, THC tinctures. Um, well, that uh, it turns out the from what I understand and and um, from you know the people that I was working with at the time, um, it turns out that there's not a ton of demand for that particular THC product. Um, so learned all about that um, and then decided to you know still make the oils, but instead of THC, just use CBD. It's in Maine, it's less regulated. Um, it's more readily available to purchase. Um, and, you know, it has these calming effects, um, such as it makes you sleep better. Um, and that's also, you know, why I wanted to get into making this stuff myself is because I was going and spending money and, you know, not a ton of it, but I was still spending a good portion of money on these, uh, CBD really sleep aids for myself. Um, so I really wanted to start figuring out how to do that just to save some money. Yeah. It sounds about right. I wish I had the time to do that. I feel like that must've been such a process. Oh, it was. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, you know, like you, you get one of these little bottles of CBD in the store and you're like, why the heck is this like 50 to $75? Like, I don't understand it. But after, you know, figuring out the process to make this stuff and it's, it's the same process really for THC. Um, it's, it's not that easy and it's actually very mathematical and, you know, thank, thank goodness for my fiance who had been helping me test and retest and, um, you know, figure out these formulas on spreadsheets that I don't understand. Um, so it's actually a very mathematical and complicated process. Uh, once you get the hang of it though, it's, it's pretty much like riding a bike, but figuring it out at first was challenging. Um, also really creative and it was some great testing months. <laughs> Tell me about the process. I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to go in depth with the process, but, but from like very beginning to end, like where do you source your materials? How do you go about this whole mm. mathematical equation and then get to the final beautiful product? Because I've tried it and I love the end result, the, like the oil bottle and like the branding is so phenomenal, by no, the way. Thank you. Thank but you. But yeah, uh, walk us through the process. Yeah. Um, so I source I source CBD extract from a company in Western Maine. They, they've got a ton of it and... Um, Anyway, so I buy that in bulk and I'll come back here and we have to, you know, like heat it up. Um, well, first we have to pretty much solve these equations. And like I said, once you get it right the first time, you can just replicate that for every batch you do. So it depends on the batch size. I tend to make like half gallon or, or gallon batches at a time. So you take the CBD or, well, I'm trying to think now. It's been a little while since I've made this because I've made such a huge batch. But right. um, so actually, I'll step back. You um, first of all, you measure out your uh, oil base. So in my case, I use an MCT oil, which also has some health benefits. Um, you measure that out, and then there's a certain. I can't remember the exact equation, but um, you essentially like have to get the flavoring ratio right. Um, so I had purchased some uh, natural um, oils, uh, flavor oils. And so you basically are taking the MCT oil, which is obviously in a large beaker, 
um, you're adding your flavor to it and you're letting that mix on like a magnetic stirrer uh, mixer that I have. So you're letting that mix. And then meanwhile, someone else is in the kitchen, my fiance, uh, heating up the CBD. Uh, when you get it, it's it's not liquid form. Um, it's a little bit sticky. So you have to heat it up to um, then measure that out pretty much exact. And I do that by weighing it. So you weigh out the CBD uh, based on how how strong you want the oil to be. So my oils at the moment, I've got um, one variety, and that is a 750 milligram one ounce bottle, um, and it is mint flavored. So I would then mix the CBD in, and and you kind of it's funny because you're dropping it in the or you're really scraping it down off the sides of the beaker to then drop it into your larger beaker. Um, and it's kind of chunky and it's just spinning around in there. And you're like, is this actually going to mix up with the oil? And anyway, it takes a long time. Uh, so for us, it probably takes a solid half an hour to 45 minutes to mix mix it up so that it's all, you know, meshed together. And from there, we put it in the bottle. I've got some different measuring and weighing mechanisms that to make every bottle, um, you know, 30 30 milliliters. Um, so we put it in the bottle, we slap a sticker on the bottle and box it up and put a little sticker on the box to make it a um, little sealing sticker, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, well, I'm sure that has to, to make be it like so tam- tamper right? proof. Yeah. 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 Tamper-proof. yeah, yeah. Uh, really? So, and then um, we ship it off to some of our partners. Um, it's currently available in a, in River Driver Cannabis in Brunswick and um, Sensamila Medical Shop in Auburn. Oh, wow. Yep. That's great. So hoping to get more vendors on board, but that's basically what I've got time for right now. So <laughs> we're going to let it ride. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that you've got it in two locations thus yep. far. And I'm sure it was quite a process in trying to be allowed to sell this product. Yeah. So what I found, um, obviously, you know, doing all this market research and the fact that I kind of had to pivot from originally thinking about THC to now thinking about CBD, um, what I found is, is, you know, the market is saturated. It's saturated with THC. It's saturated with CBD. Medical shops, recreational shops, there's a lot of them, um, which is great for someone that's trying to to wholesale CBD, such as myself, you know, you've got a lot of contacts to make and you've got a lot of calling to do. The options are endless. Um, But at the same time, what I was finding when I was calling, you know, local shops close to my house, um, you know, right now it's just me and I'm doing the calling, I'm doing the delivering. So I'm choosing a radius that is, you know, within driving distance of my house. Um, Anyway, what I was finding was, is that, um, a lot of these shops, they either, you know, carry other brands or they make their own brands or really they make everything. Um, so it's been a bit of a challenge, like actually getting it in the hands of wholesalers and 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 um, customers. But, you know, I still find it relaxing and enjoying uh, just to even make the CBD. It's It's a great creative outlet that is different from my nine to five. And that is something that I truly need in my life. You know, I need to step away from the screen and just be creative elsewhere. Right. Well, it sounds like you've taken big strides with this. So big congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you. It's a very nice product. 
And so your nine to five job. So <laughs> tell me what you do. I know you just started yeah. a new job, right? Yes. So I am currently, and, and this is why I really need this creative outlet. I currently work um, in cybersecurity marketing for Microsoft. And, you know, it's, I love it. It's pretty much my dream job if I've got to have a day job right now. Um, pretty much a dream job. And, but it's also like so stressful and so fast paced. I mean, some days like I'm on the computer until 9pm and and I started at 7am. So that's like a long time on the computer. Um, And I really just needed something that would like totally distract my mind, which candle making and CBD does it distracts my mind from, you know, everything that I've got going on at work. Um, You know, Anything, anything that I have going on, making these things takes me away from that, um, which I really appreciate. Yeah, definitely. I worked for the federal government for a long time down in D.C., and I feel like that was something I missed out on. Like, I maybe should have picked up something and done something with my hands, but I'm learning that through this entire project, (laughs) which is nice. And you're just beating me to it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I know. Fly fishing, craft, you know, the whole nine yards. Now, when you were younger, so did you mm-hmm. grow up here in Maine? Yeah, so I'm originally from um, Auburn, Central Maine. Um, I went off to college in Vermont for a few years. Really, really spread my wings there. Uh, moved back to Maine to Auburn, my parents' house, um, and then quickly realized that I needed to get out. Um, <laughs> love them, but anyway, I moved to Portland for uh, you know, five or six years. And, um, a couple years ago I landed in Harpswell. So that's where I reside now. Nice. Now growing up, did you get into any crafting with your family? Um, like anything like Mm. that and like similar to what you're doing today? You know, nothing this intricate, to be honest. I mean, I would like do craft. I, I fondly have memories of doing craft days with my grandmother and, you know, we would go outside and, and gather pine cones and it, she's a very cra- crafty woman. So she would, she would just, you know, do crafts with us to entertain us all day. And we'd gather pine cones and then she'd teach us how to make these like intricate pine cone Christmas trees out of them at one point. And, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. And, um, so, I mean, other than that, not really, I've got a pretty artistic family. Um, my stepdad, he, paints a lot um but that's you know on 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 his time um and yeah so i wouldn't say we were that crafty of a family but yeah we were creative we got by yeah definitely <laughs> and it seems like you've discovering more of your creative self as you you know get older oh, for i sure. feel like self-identity is continued it's a part of your ongoing journey through life so it's really cool that you've discovered these two things as mm-hmm. a part of it now I know we've talked a lot about your make. Let's talk about sort of the outdoor inspiration and the fly fishing part mm. of it, because that's the whole reason why that we're doing this series in conjunction with no, understanding yes. your make and craft. So how did you get into fly fishing? Um, so I got into fly fishing when I was living in the Lewiston-Auburn area after college. I very briefly for a time moved to a pond um, and... It was wonderful, but when I had all my friends knocking on my door being like, hey, can we just like, you know, use your yard to fish? Like, sure, but don't you want to see me too? (laughs) And they were like, well, yeah, but we also just want to fish. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, okay, like, cool. So one day I just said, hey, like, and, and I had grown up on a lake as well, but I never, like, I would do some bass fishing with worms and lures and whatnot, um, but not a ton. Um, so I didn't know much about it. But anyway, I started off spin fishing for these huge bass that were living right outside my door um, in Lewiston. And then all of a sudden my friend like told me about fly fishing and he was like, Hey, do you know what fly fishing is? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And this was in 2015 or 2016, I want to say not too long ago. And he took me out to a local river. You know, I went and I got like this beginner setup from L.L. Bean and He took me out and he was like, okay, it's probably going to take you a long time to catch a fish, but here are the basics. And, you know, (laughs) praise, praise to him because he really had to deal with a lot there. Um, You know, getting tangled on everything, falling on the rocks, still do that today. Um, But, you know, uh, probably after our third time out to the same spot, I caught a fish and it was like, and it was a trout. It was a brown trout. It was probably you know, like an eight inch stock trout. And wow. from there I was like hooked. I was like, I don't care how small this fish is. Yeah. Like I'm gonna do this. And again, it was it was the same sort of creative, like mental challenge that took me away from whatever was going on. Right. Um, you know, you've got to be so focused and at least I have to be very focused, you know. And <laughs> and I tend I tend to be serious about it when I'm out, um, but it's all in good fun. Yeah, definitely. Tell me about a time. Maybe it's it could be your first time or it could be a very memorable moment of you fly fishing. Like kind of like mm. tell me a story of like how you went, like what body of water, you know, what flies you chose, what you mm-hmm. caught, who you were with, like kind of give me the lay of the land of that fishing experience. Yeah. Um, so this was probably a couple years after I started fishing. I joined a group called the Maine Woman Fly Fishers. And and this was after I moved to Portland. And I was sort of like, well, I, I, am li- I, lo- I like fishing. I don't know much about it. I want to learn more. Um, and also I need friends because like all my friends were back home in Auburn. And I knew people in Portland, but not a ton. So... I was like, what better way than to get involved with this ladies fly fishing group? So I did and I met, yeah, I would go to their monthly meetings um, and I ended up meeting a few ladies in particular that really, really changed the fly fishing game for me. Um, they were also learning and pretty new to the sport and and we all really just learned together. Um, so I think it was like the second the second fall that we were fly, um, that I was, I was learning how to fly fish and, um, you know, all varying skill levels. Um, but we got invited to go up to my, um, one friend's camp up in the Moosehead area. And, uh, like I said, none of us knew what we were really doing, um, <laughs> at the time. Um, but it was, I think like four of us ladies just all exploring the area together and, it was such fond memories. I mean, we all caught, I think we all caught like pretty decent sized brook trout. I can't remember what we were using for flies, but it was just, it was so good to be out there and feel empowered with, with other ladies who also were new to it. And of course we're all gaining confidence from this. Um, so 
I can't remember the exact fish caught or the exact fly used, but I do remember that that trip in particular, you know, really reinforced my love for fly fishing and it helped me get connected with these other ladies that otherwise would not be in my life like they are today. Wow. That's amazing. I <clears throat> I had no idea a group existed until mm-hmm. you told me about it. So I know I need to get myself involved in that for sure, just because I'm very new to it. You guys got me into it <laughs> and I'm super, super excited about it. Now, the do you go out every season? Like when do you start fly yeah. fishing? Um, I will usually start, uh, well, my fiance and I like to to start probably oh, your does it too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He fishes. Um uh we probably start like at the beginning mid beginning to mid May and we fish and now with like house responsibilities and you know work um and <laughs> and things of that nature, it's harder to get out every weekend um like we used to. You know, when I lived in Portland, um we would fish like every single weekend in the spring and every single weekend in the fall, which was amazing. Um, But these days we probably will get out, you know, three or four times in the spring and same with the fall. September we'll probably fish like two weekends. We always take a long weekend to fish. So that's something to look forward to. And, and, you know, a lot of people I know they fish straight through the winter, but, um, that's I, I've decided that that's not really for me. Um, I get a little too cold, so um, I would prefer to freeze even more by skiing. <laughs> I don't blame you, especially if you're in your waders and you're in the water. I know. Oh, that would be brutal. Very yeah. cold. At least the mountain has Bloody Marys. <laughs> exactly. That's a plus. So... What advice would you give to somebody that is a new fly fishing angler or even like wants to get into being a crafter or a maker? Mm, yeah, I would say, I mean, really like follow your passion. Like if if you are a person like myself who is so busy and and like truly I'm technically challenged with my job every day, it's it's a challenge and it's a responsibility Um if you're a person that needs to like release that stress or get your mind in another space, um, or if you genuinely want to learn how to fly fish and catch some trout, um, they're beautiful fish. Um, I would say, you know, my biggest piece of advice is just start doing it. Like when I started making candles and CBD, like I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't I didn't know that making CBD was, you know, a huge mathematical equation that had to be weighed to like the third decimal point. (laughs) I did not know that. Um, I also didn't know that candles have very different, like you need different wicks. You need different, um, you need it. Yeah. The wicks and then like the molds, depending on which mold you use to make the candles will determine which wick you use. I didn't know that. Um, wow. I didn't know the properties of like how to heat a certain wax. You've really got to do your research. So I would say like, if you are thinking you're passionate about something, give it a try for sure. You know, you may, you may find that you really, really enjoy it and might follow you lifelong. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever do it full time or do you think it's just 
a hobby of yours. Um, So right now, I I definitely think that it's a hobby. Um, I, of course, love, you know, selling it to who I can and and getting it out there to who I can. But um, I don't have all of the time in the world to do the marketing required to make it full time. Um, Nor do I know if I really want to do that at this point. I really enjoy the balance of, of, you know, sitting at my desk and having these challenging and technical conversations um, during the day, but then, you know, at night having this creative outlet to just relax. Um, and that's really why I do it is it's just so relaxing. And like I said, it frees the mind. And when you're when you're actually sitting down to make the stuff, it's, you're not thinking about anything else because you can't be. You have to think about like, oh, is this wax going to burn? Or right. like, is it going to get too hot? Or the air bubbles going to... There's a lot. Yeah. A lot to think about. So um, no, I don't think I will ever do it full time, but I definitely want to continue um, doing it part time. Yeah. It sounds like you have a good balance of mm. making craft your cur- your corporate career and then also getting outside and For that's sure. great. Yeah. Now the last question I'll close off with is um you know why Maine? Why continue to live in this wonderful state? Why, you know, continue crafting? Yeah. You know, do you have a community that you enjoy here that keep continue to stay here? Um yeah. so why Maine? Well, so first and foremost, um, my entire family, most of them is in Maine. Um, I live seven minutes from my mom and I'm super, super fortunate about that every day. That's what really, really at the core keeps me in Maine. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to go out West and, and catch all of those beautiful, big brown trout and rainbow trout and cutthroat trout. I would love that. But my family is my first priority and um, they all happen to be in Maine. And, you know, secondly, Maine is, you know, the only pretty much the only, I think, state in the U.S. that has these native and wild brook trout um, that we are all, you know, they're coveted fish here in Maine. Uh, they're hard to catch. They're finicky. Uh, not a lot of waters hold them. I mean, for Maine, yes, um, in comparison with the rest of the country. And obviously there are more in Canada, but um, yeah, I just love, you know, I love the mountains. I also love the ocean. So I feel very fortunate to be within, you know, a drive. Uh, during the day, I could either pick the ocean or I could pick the mountains. Or the beauty of it is that I could be in both places in a day if I wanted to. So yeah, I love everything about Maine and the fact that I can work remotely. Um, I probably will never leave Maine. Um, also, the fly fishing community here is so tight. Um, really, whenever I get together with you know anyone from the fly fishing community or go to a fly fishing event, um, it really just reminds me how thankful I am to be in a state that has a community like this. It's not a big community. And, you know, once you, once you realize that, um, you can form some really close friendships and, and honestly, that community gives me life. Yeah. 
and we formed a friendship as well, which is amazing. Yes, and I honestly yes. am so grateful that I'm having you on this podcast. Aww. And thank you so much for going out and fly fishing with me and thank teaching you, me some Kristen. tricks of the trade. Oh, yes. It was so fun. It and, was so And we will fun. have to do it again. Definitely. Next season, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the podcast. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing more about your journey as we yeah. continue to hang out together. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Lady Maker on the Fly series. And thank you to Lauren LaChapelle for being on the series. If you'd like to learn more about Lauren, I will link her websites and social media handles in the notes section of the podcast. Also, please follow the Makers of the USA on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to see visuals of these wonderful makers that are a part of this series. If you've enjoyed this podcast series thus far, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Thank you all again and stay safe and healthy.